Hello, and welcome to episode five of the Deerfield Counseling Podcast. My name is Charles Thomas, and I'll be your host today. In this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about a topic that is extremely important, but never really gets the attention and respect that it deserves. It's critical to almost every aspect of our lives, especially relationships. But many people kind of assume that you just know how to do this and it doesn't take any real work. But trust me, as a therapist who's worked with couples for quite a long time now, I can tell you communication isn't something like breathing that just happens naturally. Communication is a real skill set. And regardless of how skillful you are right now, if you work at it, you can become a better communicator. So you might be thinking to yourself, well, Charles, why do I even want to bother becoming a better communicator? What are the benefits to my life to becoming more skillful at communication? Well, let me answer that question by telling you a little bit about the people I serve in my psychotherapy practice. While my clients are diverse in many ways, I'd have to say that a good 80% of them come to me because of some sort of problem with a relationship. The most obvious example of this is a couple who comes to see me to work specifically on their relationship. But a large number of the people that I serve who struggle with depression have some sort of relationship problem that is feeding that depression. The problematic relationship is often with their partner, but it can also be with a father, a mother, or a child. Our relationships come to define who we are in the world, and so it shouldn't be surprising that when they go wrong, we get depressed. So our relationships have a profound impact on our mental health. And what's one of the main keys to successful relationships? Well, you guessed it, successful communication. If we want to have successful, life-giving relationships, we have to learn how to communicate our wants and needs to our loved ones. And we also have to develop a skill set that can help us truly and deeply understand the other person in our life. And that's where communication skills come in. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the rest of this podcast, 10 fairly simple things you can do to become a better communicator. And if you're a better communicator, you can have healthier, stronger relationships. And trust me when I tell you, stronger, healthier relationships will undoubtedly lead to better mental health. Not just for you, but also for the people you love. I truly believe that becoming a better communicator is one of the most powerful things you can do to increase the level of happiness and contentment in your life. And much like the effects of exercise on our bodies, even making small improvements in communication can have a major impact in our life. So let's get started. Let's talk about 10 things you can do to become a better communicator. Number one, Learn how to be a reflective listener. Reflective listening is a complex and complicated process, but for the sake of simplicity, let's just hit a few high points. What does it mean to be a reflective listener? Well, reflective listeners 
listen at a deep level. And they frequently check in with the person they're listening to to make sure they're hearing them correctly. Probably the most powerful skill here is summarizing. When you're listening and trying to understand someone, one of the most powerful things you can do is just stop periodically and make sure you understand where they're coming from by summarizing what you're hearing. A good way to start this is to say something like, okay, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. I hear you saying, and then you review what you have heard them say. Summarization is very important because we're all human beings and sometimes as hard as we try, we get things wrong. If you periodically summarize when you're listening to someone, you give that person the chance to correct you when you make a mistake. That way, the person you're listening to feels truly heard. When we feel truly heard, we're more effective communicators. And when we're more effective communicators, we have stronger relationships. So if you want to be a better listener, take the time periodically to summarize what you hear the other person saying. Another extremely important aspect of reflective listening is asking open-ended questions. What are open-ended questions? Well, those are questions that can't be answered with a simple yes or no. They're questions that get the other person to maybe delve deeper into what they're talking about. By asking open-ended questions, you're communicating your interest in what the other person is saying. Open-ended questions would include things like, how did you feel when that happened? What did you think about that? What was going through your head during that? Asking open-ended questions keeps the conversation going and are critical to helping the person feel understood. That's a very, very brief introduction to reflective listening. If you're interested in taking it a little deeper, you can find lots of great material online simply by Googling reflective listening. But let's move on to number two on my list of 10 things you can do to become a better communicator. My second suggestion is when you're communicating with someone, always be very, very clear about what your ultimate goal is and don't lose sight of that goal during communication. What do I mean by that? Well, let me tell you a little story that demonstrates this concept. Many years ago, when my daughter was in first grade, she woke up with a fever of 99.9. Now, in my area, children are supposed to be kept home from school if they have a fever of over 100, and my daughter was right on the line. My wife wanted to keep her home, but I thought, because she was still under 100 degrees, we should send her to school. We started to have a discussion about whether to send her to school or not. Like most conversations, it started out as rational and calm, but eventually it became more emotional. Both of us dug into our positions. Me advocating that we send our daughter to school and my wife advocating that we keep her at home. We were both getting more and more upset and we were getting nowhere closer to solving the dilemma when my wife said something really important. She said to me, Charles, what do we really want here? 
what's our ultimate goal? Those words took me aback a little bit. I was advocating so strongly for my position to send our daughter to school that I'd totally lost sight of what I really wanted, which was to do what was best for our daughter. Can you relate to that story? Have you ever found yourself so caught up in a disagreement and so caught up in winning that disagreement that you lose sight of what you really want? Well, that's what I mean when I say never to lose sight of what your ultimate goal is. Many times we start out a conversation with a loved one with a goal of deepening our relationship or solving a problem. And then we quickly get sucked into unhealthy goals like being right or proving the other person wrong when that's not really what we want. So if we want to be better at communication, we have to keep what our ultimate goal is in our mind at all times. And if we find ourselves getting sucked into more unhealthy goals, like being right or winning or proving the other person wrong, then we have to stop and take a moment and ask ourselves, what do we really want? If what we really want is to solve a problem or to deepen a relationship, then we have to make sure that we keep our eyes on that prize and not on the prize of winning. So a big part of being an effective communicator is knowing what our goals are and keeping our focus like a laser on those goals. Okay, let's move on to number three. My third suggestion on what you can do to become a better communicator is to own your lens. What do I mean by that? Well, we all have lenses that we see the world through, every one of us. Our lens is kind of like the interpretive structure that we use to understand what we see in the world. Our lens is influenced by where we grew up and who we are and even how old we are. But ultimately, each and every one of us have our own unique ways of viewing the world. If we're going to be effective communicators, we have to own this fact. And we have to own the fact that the people we want to communicate with probably have their own lenses and see the world in different ways than we do. And while we may very passionately believe that our understanding of the world is correct, in order to be an effective communicator, we have to respect the fact that other people feel just as strongly about their view of the world as we do. Owning our own lens is the important first step in separating the facts of a situation from our interpretation of those facts. Number four, if we hope to be good communicators and have healthy relationships, it's extremely important to apologize when we screw up. Apologizing is taking responsibility for what we did that contributed to whatever problem we're trying to work through. If you can master the art of apologizing, well, you're well on the road to stronger relationships. So what does a good, healthy apology look like? I think a good apology has three main elements. The first and maybe most important element of an apology is that it's sincere. I know when I was younger and I did something wrong, 
my mother would force me to apologize to whoever I'd upset, usually my cousin. I was walked out in front of him and told I had to apologize. And of course, I did. But that apology was not at all sincere. For an apology to be successful, the listener has to feel that it really comes from the heart. And my suggestion is, if you are not ready to make a sincere apology, wait. Wait until you are. Insincere apologies probably do more harm than good. For an apology to be effective, it also has to be well-timed. You want to make sure that you have enough time to have an honest, intimate discussion with the person you're apologizing to. It shouldn't be a rushed affair. You should take a little time and prepare to apologize. Think about what you want to say to this person. And also, make sure that the emotions have died down enough that the person you want to apologize to is in a place where they can hear and accept your apology. Finally, for an apology to be successful, it has to also include some sort of commitment to do things differently in the future. If you've harmed someone that you love, how are you going to avoid harming them again in the future? Taking responsibility of the harm you've done by apologizing is a very critical pillar in effective communication. The art of apologizing is literally something I could do a complete podcast on, but we're talking about communication today. So let's move on to my fifth tip. To be an effective communicator, you should always go into a conversation with the intention of understanding first and being heard second. Effective communicators are people who seek to understand what the other person is saying first before they try to help the other person understand where they're coming from. You probably know people like this in your personal life. They're the type of people that you would describe as good listeners because they focus first on other people and they put themselves second. Practicing this skill is something I often spend a great deal of time in couples therapy doing. When working with a couple who have a strong disagreement over an issue, I'll often ask one to just listen and try to understand their partner's position for 10 to 20 minutes. And during that time, they are barred from expressing their opinions. The whole purpose of this exercise is to get people to learn this skill, to seek to first understand before helping the other person understand them. Prizing understanding over expression is a hallmark of good communication skills. Tip number six. If you want to be an effective communicator, you should avoid criticism at all costs. Marriage researcher John Gottman calls criticism one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. His four horsemen are factors that destroy relationships. And criticism, along with contempt, stonewalling, and disengagement make up the four factors that Gottman's research shows are most detrimental to healthy relationships. I imagine that we all know this is true. How do you react when you're criticized? Does criticism open you up or shut you down? Does being criticized make you feel closer to the person criticizing you or more distant? And honestly, even when the criticism is 
constructive, what kind of job do most of us do in taking it? So avoiding criticizing the person you're trying to communicate with is extremely important. Number seven, effective communicators do an excellent job of trying to see things from other people's perspectives. They take the proverb of walking a mile in someone else's shoes literally. If this skill doesn't come naturally to you, well, don't worry. You can learn it. Understanding the perspectives of other people makes you more open-minded, more compassionate, and obviously a better communicator. Number eight, when things get hard, when you're really disagreeing with someone, it's very easy to want to run away or to disengage. Even the best communicators among us sometimes need a break when the emotions become too overpowering. But the best communicators always go back. They don't give up when things get hard. They take a break if they need it, but they come back and they re-engage. So if you want to be an effective communicator, don't run away. Take a break if needed. Engage in some self-soothing if needed. But don't let heightened emotions push you into disengagement. Because disengagement is the enemy of both communication and relationship. Number nine, be humble. American psychologist Albert Ellis had a very colorful phrase to describe human beings. He liked to describe people as effed up, fallible humans. Except Ellis always used the entire F word. And Ellis wasn't trying to pick on anyone by using that phrase. He was trying to make the point that all of us are broken and fallible. None of us are perfect, and all of us make mistakes almost every single day. Good communicators understand this truth about themselves and about other people. They're able to accept their own faults and the faults of others. And when their loved ones let them down or disappoint them? Well, good communicators understand that this is, unfortunately, inevitable. The more you're able to own your own limitations and accept your own fallibility, the more effective communicator you'll become. Number 10. Unfortunately, we live in a world where compromise has become kind of a dirty word. Many people feel that compromising their position, even in small ways, should be avoided at all costs. But sometimes, being willing to compromise can be an act of great love. Effective communicators are masters in the art of compromise. They're willing to engage in the sometimes messy give and take that comes with compromising within relationships. And their relationships are usually stronger because of that fact. So being an effective communicator many times comes down to the art of compromise. And to be a good compromiser, you have to be very clear about what is non-negotiable and what is negotiable. It's completely healthy and acceptable to have areas where you are, don't feel comfortable negotiating. But the most effective compromisers keep those non-negotiable areas very small because they know the more flexible they are, the more likely they will get a compromise 
that they're happy with. So there you have them. My 10 suggestions of things you can do to become a better communicator. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and found it useful. If you'd like to give feedback on something you heard in this podcast or any of my other podcasts, you can do so on my website, anchor.fm backslash Deerfield. The music you hear at the beginning and end of this podcast is courtesy of Hawthorne Music. That's all for now. Until next time, be well.